have your Bibles with you, open the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Be looking at the first 20 verses. This starts a six-week series on 10% biblical tithing. Now, when I put this out, I wasn't paying close attention, so we'll do the first three, and then we'll have a series for Christmas, and we'll pick up the last three at the beginning of the new year. With that said, as you look around, you will see that change and transition are all around us. Things are changing constantly. And this causes our society to be uneasy and uncertain. People are desperately looking for something they can lean on. Perhaps that's even you this morning. You're looking for something that you can count upon, something that you can continually count upon. Finding stability in an unstable world, trying to find certainty in an uncertain world. It's during times like these that people desire, they're searching for direction and security. In spite of everything that's going on around us, I have very good news. There is very good news for you today. God has a pathway for you that is certain and secure. In fact, I'm going to share with you what we're looking at is one of the keys to building security that God has for us. Listen to what he says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. God is giving you the invitation to give and to test him, if not return, that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing until it overflows. 10%, a call to biblical stewardship. God wants each one of us, his followers, to honor him each week with at least one-tenth of everything that he has entrusted to us. This is not just a command, but as we read about in Malachi 3.10, it is a promise given to us by the Lord. So with strong conviction, we are going to lift up biblical principles that will guide and bring blessing upon our lives. So I encourage you not to miss one single sermon every week, but specifically this, as we look at the the topic of biblical stewardship. And I am confident that through it, God will change you from the inside out. You'll never see things the same way again. I'm not saying, listen to me carefully, I'm not telling you or saying to you that you will get rich. I'm not saying that you will be healthy for the rest of your life. I am not talking about the so-called prosperity gospel. What I am talking about is biblical principles that will change your life. That you'll enter into an attitude of peace, contentment, and blessing. And you will be a blessing to other people. You will live a life of certainty over a life of uncertainty. 
You see, being blessed means you have the supernatural power of God working for you. Do you want the supernatural and intervening power of God in your life? And today, to get there, we'll be going to begin with the basic of all basics. Where each of us need to return to daily, time and time again. The first principle is the foundation and imperative to understanding life. Here it is. God is the owner of everything. You may want to repeat that with me. God is the owner of everything. Now, if a house is not built upon the right foundation, we are, in seeking, we are on seeking sand. So our entire lives and all we are needs to be built upon God alone. So built upon the doctrine of God, we believe that God is the owner of everything. Now, before we turn to our text, let's look at the context of 1 Chronicles 29. Change is happening in the life of the nation of Israel. David has reached the advanced stage of his life. He is getting older. And Solomon has been chosen to be the king to succeed him. Now, not to get in a long, that's another sermon in itself, but that didn't happen without difficulty. And David brings all Israel together. He talks about his desires to build the temple, but God would not allow David to do so. He wanted Solomon to build the temple. So David was to rally Israel to support this work financially. But David was not merely interested in a transition of power. He was also interested in a transference of faith. He wanted to pass his faith on to his son Solomon. And one major understanding that God wanted David to know, the same understanding that God wanted David to teach his people, because it will bring stability in the midst of instability, it will bring certainty in times of uncertainty. Here we go again. You're going to hear this time and time repeated. God is the owner of everything. With that, let's look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we'll be going to begin in verse 10. Of that passage. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the minion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this. For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. For we are sojourners, or pilgrims, before you, and tenants, as all of our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we provided to build you a house for your holy name, 
It is from your hand, and all is yours. Since I know, O my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And I give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Then David said to the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God, and all the assembly blessed and all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. The first principle to this understanding that God is the owner of everything is to give honor and praise to God alone for everything. And you see that in the verses we just read, 10 through 20. These verses are foundational to the whole concept that God is the owner of everything. It shouldn't surprise us that the writer of most of the Psalms, David, breaks out in praise. It's a timeless and eternal reality that God is indeed the owner of everything. These verses read like a song, a hymn of praise of, to God alone. This song of praise, this theology, gives us theological background. God's greatness is exalted. You see that in verse 11. This is why it's important to understand that God is under everything because God is great. God is so great that he alone created both heaven and earth. Therefore, as the owner of everything, he is big enough, he is powerful enough to provide you and me with anything that we may need. Let me repeat that. He created the heaven and the earth. He is so big. He is so powerful. He can provide what you need. Anything you may need. In verses 12 and 13, we see God's ownership being proclaimed. God even owns the things we think we own. Did you just catch what I just said? God owns the things that even we think we own. You know, as believers, our lives don't even belong to us. We have been bought with the price, the precious blood of Christ. We are simply managers or stewards of what he has given to us. He is the owner of everything. We own absolutely nothing. God alone is the owner. Verses 14 and 15, human weakness is acknowledged. With God's help, without God's help, none of us could give him anything. Think about that for a second. If it was for God, you wouldn't have anything to give. God is the one who gave you that brain, gave you that skill, Gave you that strength to carry out, to have a job so that you can provide for your family. That you can provide for the things that you need. 
It's God who gives you the very life that you have now. He's the one allowing your lungs to bring in the oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide. He's the one now guiding the earth around the sun. He's the one now letting the earth spin to have night and day. The earth to tilt to have the seasons. And you know this as well as I do. Science has said it is such a delicate balance that if the earth was just a fraction forward or a fraction backwards, we would either burn up or we would freeze to death. See, God is the owner. You know, the number one reason people believe they can't honor God with at least a tenth of what God's entrusted to them is because they believe they can't afford it. Once again, I want to remind you, we have nothing to give except what God gives us. Did you catch that as I read the verse? David said, everything we have given you came from your hand in the first place, O God. And then in verse 14, the last part of verse 14 and verse 16, we see everything that belongs to God alone is declared. That, that concept that everything belongs to God alone is declared. They could only give because God gave Gave them first everything they had. God calls us to a life of obedience to his word. <laughs> Think about this. He doesn't call us to do something without equipping us to do what he's called us to do. He wants us to give a tenth. He wants us to give back to him. He's the one who supplies what we need to order to make that happen. He equips us to do what he's called us to do. He has provided for us. And then in verses 17 through 19, we see worship occurs when we give to God. A time of giving resources to God is not a transition in the order of service or an interruption in worship. It is worship. Now, we haven't passed the offering plate in a while due to COVID. There's a box in the back. You can give online. You can mail it in. You're not going to interrupt anything that in the middle of the service God lays you on your heart. You give what he leads you to give. Can I just say as a side note, God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. Because when you has your heart, everything else will follow. Giving honor and praise to God alone for everything is always in order because God is the owner of everything. This is a foundational reality in the Christian life. It shapes our lives. Now, if you ever built a house or any type of building, you will know how important the foundation is. It's the same way for you and your life and your family. Build your life on this foundational reality that is undeniable that God's the owner of everything. Build upon that foundation. And you'll be on sure footing. Now, since we looked at the context earlier, we're going to go back to verses 1 through 9 and see what David says there. So turn with me back to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And let's look at the verses before. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. David is not asking him to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. Well, let's look at starting verse 1. And, and notice, he doesn't keep to himself. It says, Then King David said to the entire assembly, he's talking to the people, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. 
For the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now with all my ability, I provided for the house of my God the gold for the things of gold, and the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, ox stones and inlaid stones, stones of amenity, and stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones, and alabaster in abundance. Bear with me, say I lost my place, I apologize. Moreover, in my delight in or devotion to the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I gave to the house of my God, over and above all that I've already provided for the holy temple, namely 3,000 talents of gold. Approximately, if I do my math correctly, you can correct me later if you like, 100 tons of the gold ophir and 7,000 talents or 250 tons of refined silver to overlay the walls and the buildings of gold for the things of gold and of silver for the things of silver that is for all the work done by the craftsmen verse 5 who is unwilling to consecrate himself to the, this day to the Lord then the rulers of the father's households and the princes of tribes of Israel and the commanders or the captains of thousands and of hundreds with overseers or officers over the king's work offered willingly or gave willingly. And for the service for the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents, 185 tons and 10,000 derricks of gold. Those are coins. 10,000 talents or 375 pounds of silver and 18,000 talents, 675 pounds of brass or bronze, and 100,000 talents or 4,000 tons of iron. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord and care of Jehel the Gershonite. Look at verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. And that picks up in verse 10. So David blessed and praised the Lord. We just read that a minute ago. What grabbed my attention that I was repairing is the amount that was given was great. Only by David, but also by the people. So in understanding that God is the owner of everything, we also need to lead others to honor God in the same way you are honoring God. And we just read about that in verses 1 through 9. Each of you influence somebody. Parents influence their children. Friends influence friends. Parents influences, excuse me, pastors influence, influence churches. And church leaders influence churches. Now David understood this powerful principle of leadership. You cannot lead people to do what you're not practicing before them. Let me say that again. You cannot lead people to do what you're not practicing before them. In other words, you cannot lead from behind. You have to be out in front. Notice how he did this and how we should do this before others. To give generously. He gave generously. Look at the text in verses 1 through 5. 
He challenged and inspired others. We see that in verse 5. He challenged them. Who will consecrate themselves today to the Lord? And in verse 6 through 9, we see that his generosity and challenging other people, generosity inspires generosity. See, when you recognize that God owns everything, you influence others to be as generous as you are. In fact, like King David, you'll even leave a legacy of trusting and honoring God with everything in your life. Whoever you are influencing as a Christian, you need to influence them by teaching them that God is the owner of everything. How will your children know this if you never teach them this reality? And you can never go wrong by living a life the way God tells us to. We are in the process of leave, leave, excuse me, living and leaving a legacy. You want to ensure that all who know you will know you by the life you live, that you honored God in the highest manner by giving to God at least a tenth of everything he's entrusted to you. Now, we're talking about financial resources at the moment, but this goes far beyond that. It talks of your time and your talent as well. You know, we had a memorial service for a, a man been a member of the church for a very long time, J.C. Moen. A man that was very tender-hearted, kind, but also very giving of everything. And I look at this again this morning, I can't help think about the legacy he's left behind, only to his family, to his children and grandchildren, but also to us as his brothers and sisters in Christ. When you do that, when you live that out, that God is indeed the owner of everything, you are showing that you honor God. Trusting God through your life is the key to honoring him. And this will bring you joy and also lead others to join with you in unity. I mean, have you ever taken your children or grandchildren to the pool or to the lake or to the river <laughs> and you wanted them to just to leap out and you're standing in the middle of the water, right? Come here and jump, I'll catch you. And sometimes they're hesitant. But if they know they can trust you, that child will have no problem taking that leap. God is the same way. Go back to Malachi. Trust me now in this. There's a testimony of a gentleman who's a member of the church. I'm not going to tell you who it is. That told me that he wrestled with this principle a very long time. And he said, if I held anything back, God was going to get his money one way or the other because either my car would break down or a bill would come in. And he said, finally, I learned my lesson. But God doesn't want you to give you begrudgingly. You don't give to God because you're looking for something in return. You give with your whole heart, expecting nothing in return. See, when we trust God with our very lives, we are indeed demonstrating to everybody around us that we believe him, that he is the owner of everything. And since he owns everything, and since he created everything and owns everything, I can live by faith and trust him in everything in my life. Doesn't it 
Do you ever sit and think, okay, I trusted God for my salvation through Christ, through faith in Christ? I trust that when I'm called home and my body dies or he comes back, that I trust that I'm going to be in heaven. I, I firmly believe that. God told me in his word, and that's the way it is. Why is it that we wrestle with so much other stuff in the Bible, though? You know, we're supposed to ask for guidance at every part of our lives. God, what is it that you would have me do? To where we go to school, to what jobs we have, to who we marry, so on and so forth. We're supposed to seek him out. This is going to sting. But when I do not do that and do it on my own, I'm basically telling God, I don't believe you, I don't have faith in you, and I don't trust you. Have you ever heard of a hymn called Standing on the Promises? Most of you have. Remember the last verse of that, that old hymn? Standing on the promises, I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all on all, standing on the promises of God. So, really, this does come an issue of trust. Are you trusting? Are you standing on what God says in his word, or are you standing on the flimsy, flimsy philosophy of this world? God is the owner of everything. You need to believe that and stand upon it. In these uncertain, unprecedented moments, God has this. He has you. He has your family. He has your career. He has this church. And yes, I would definitely say God does have the whole world in his hands as a song we learned as children. He's got the whole... He does. And can I just make a uh, qualifier? We're not any type of building program. We're not looking for capital rate. Nothing. God is taking care of us financially and still will into the future. But this is a principle we need to wrap our minds around if we're going to be true followers of God. That he's the owner of everything. And that we will never go wrong when we live life the way God tells us to. It changes everything, doesn't it? It actually frees us up. There's freedom in letting go, and I know that sounds kind of oxymoron, but it's true. The very God who set creation in order and sustains it by the power of his word it's the same God that wants to be with you and take care of you and walk with you. If God can take care of your eternal destination, if he can take care of all creation, I mean, think about that for a second. Tonight, when it gets dark about 4 o'clock because we move forward, <laughs> look up in the sky. Look at all the stars. Something about living out here, I live up in Bellevue, you get away from the lights and you just look up and stare at the sky. God knows every one of those stars by name. The Bible says he calls them out by their name. He keeps that all going, all creation. And then for the things we can't see, all the stuff you have to see with a microscope. I remember taking biology, I had to take a class at a junior college to fulfill to get my degree at seminary, learning about 
DNA out. Everything knows exactly where to go and what to do and how to do it. It's, it's amazing. The human body in itself is quite amazing. And God takes care of that. I remember as a, a young adult, kids were real small, and we were driving to see my mom, and we stopped in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And as a kid, my dad would drive. He had to get there as fast as we could. We never stopped for anything. Hey, can we go see uh, Ruby Falls? Oh, we'll see that next time. So all these places in Chattanooga I've seen as a kid, we're stopping this time. I want to see it. So we, we go to Ruby Falls. You get in this elevator. It goes right down the heart of the mountain. I mean, you see rock literally beside you because it has windows on the elevator. You go down, and you walk a good ways back. And it's really dark. And you see this water falling. It's just absolutely beautiful. And they say, we don't have no idea where the water comes from. We know it comes down through the mountain somehow, but we've climbed up there. No one's actually known where exactly the source is. And we're thinking, God, this is so beautiful. It's like a still small voice went out and said, Tim, you hadn't seen nothing yet. And I thought about that God. Look what he's created. So be- Sunsets. There's a beautiful sunset that just takes your breath away. That's the same God who says he loves us. Test me now in this, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you. That's not my words. That's the word of Scripture, brother. That comes from, that comes from God inviting us to test him, to see if it will not happen. And we have been blessed in this church, have we not? On a continued basis, if he's poured out his blessing before and we recommit our lives and really live that out, then indeed he owns everything, how much more blessing will he give us? What more can we see? I don't know. But even if he does decide not to do that, I'm going to give to him anyway because to go full circle with the sermon, back what I started from, from the announcements, have nothing else. I have this to praise God for. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. That alone in itself is the reason why I can praise God this morning. Doesn't matter how much money I have or where I'm at, that alone. Are you trusting God? Are you trusting in that principle that indeed he's the owner of everything? Have you given your life to the Lord? Admitted that you have broken his law. No matter how hard you try, you cannot keep it. It's very easy. How many people have ever lied in this room? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying now. Do not bear false witness. How many of you have ever killed anybody? It's kind of weird to ask where we're going live to. But, but Jesus said, if you look at a brother, and I will say even a sister with hatred in your heart, you've committed murder already. You ever got yelled at? You ever yelled at somebody in traffic? You ever, uh, I'm not going to go there. Some of you may go to Walmart after the service. You know, that's patience right there. Now she's not commit murder. Ever committed adultery? Remember what Jesus says. If you look at lust, 
you have lust in your heart, and you look at the member of the opposite sex with lust in your eyes, and you, you lust after them, you committed adultery in your heart already. You ever done that? Now, the, the thing about this, these old questions is I start asking you if you're a liar. So what do you think you have? I mean, we've all admitted that we have lied. Let me just wrap this all up. That, that shows us that we need a Savior. We, we're not righteous enough. We can never earn it. We can never pay our way. And by the way, if you can never earn his love, why do you think you can never lose it? I mean, how can you lose it if you can never earn it to begin with? The reason he convicts you of things is because to bring you back in a right relationship with him. If you ever given your life to Christ, what's holding you back? To really put it all on the line. Because you know what it's all about? It's becoming more like Christ and trusting God with everything more and more and more and more. God has been working on me the last two or three years. I have a tendency to hold on too tight. Because I want control. That's kind of stupid. How much control do I really have to begin with? But I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. Yes, it's been hard at times. But Tim and I have to give. Not because of you and what you may think. Because that's honoring God. Showing God that we truly believe he owns everything. Even my life. And need be, I must be willing to lay my own life down for the cause of the gospel. I hope that doesn't happen. But that's where we need to be. Where are you at this morning? Are you struggling? Are you struggling with things? You need to come up here and pray. You need to go across the room and pray with somebody else. But please do not leave here without doing business with God. I'm sorry I'm dragging this out a little bit, but I need to tell you this. There's a co-worker of mine that I knew for a long time. Didn't really know him personally, but I've spoken with him many times. And um, he started in Phoenix, transferred to DFW, then he was able to go back. Two weeks ago, he took his own life. You know why? Because of the vision politically and other things happened in our country. He felt like he lost so many friends, he suffered depression. And he took his life. The reason I share that with you, please, do not leave here. All of us are carrying things inside of us. Here's a place you can lay it down and give it to God. After all, God is the owner of everything. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we thank you for your word. We thank you for your many blessings you have poured upon us, that you have given us life through Christ, life even more abundantly, that you offer forgiveness and mercy, that your loving kindness is so great that leads us to repentance. And Father, I pray for the people in this room and the people who are watching. Oh, God. 
Please let them know. Please let them feel your presence this morning. The peace that comes by being in your presence. May we, found, may we be found to be obedient to you and your call in our lives. Father, indeed, you're the owner of everything. And the very fact that you would share that with us is almost, and it, it's so difficult to believe that you are so rich and so powerful, but yet you would share everything with us. We thank you for your love and your mercy. May your spirit continue to have this way here this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just stand with me, please.